All right, welcome. Welcome to part two of another show of Idle Cure, live and direct. Not actually, it's a podcast, but uh, I've got Steve Shannon and Mark Ambrose. We're going to rock with Idle Cure. Let's go. It's part two. Come on, it's time to pray.
So, Mark, I noticed that uh, uh, in your music, in your writing, a lot of times you would uh, you would you would approach it almost as if it was a theatrical piece, and you would surround it with uh, keyboards and different textures and that sort of thing. Can you uh, kind of just tell everybody how that song "Pray" came together? Well, for "Pray," well, for most songs that all the songs really that I was involved in the lyrical piece um, usually reflected where I was in my life. And so uh, for me, um, prayer became a special time that I hadn't really embraced a whole lot before that. You know, prayer became the should. Um, And, you know, it's important and all those truths, but is it really mean what I think it means? And am I really participating in it? So, um, you know, to talk about witnessing, to talk about sharing your faith, if that isn't accompanied by prayer, then it, it's really going to have no effect. And so that's kind of the, the the theme of the song, that you get to those points where, you know, it, ultimately there's there's nothing left to do but pray, but in reality, that's the only thing you should be doing. The one thing I'll say about Mark is that, uh, I mean, here he's written two albums of absolutely sterling material. But there again, we were, we're from California, and you're outside looking in. So when it comes to things like Dove Awards, right, you're sort of overlooked, right? Mm. And suddenly, Prey gets nominated for a Dove Award, which I thought was an accolade well-deserved by Mark. I, I even think Talk It Out's a better song, personally. But Prey's a great song. And there again, it's just, to me, it's so, it's talking on a subject, right, that we should all talk yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. But it, it retains that shung, 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 that crunchy march tempo that Mark's so good at. So, mm. I mean, it, in many respects, it, it, it's just consummate Mark songwriting. I, I'm going to tell you what. There was a time in the music industry, I simply thought Mark Ambrose was one of the best writers out there. And, I mean, we had, you know, and that's not to say I did not mean, like I say, White Heart stuff was brilliant. And we, we would talk with Mark. We would talk with Billy. I'm, I'm interested in inspirations for song, you can tell. Uh-huh. Because that, to me, the spark of inspiration is where you make contact with our Lord, where you pray. Mm-hmm. Hey, writing a song's not easy, you know. Um, and in our case, I write music too, but m- my stuff's acoustic-y stuff, right? Mm-hmm. wasn't Idle Cure stuff. So I had never had experience giving a piece of music and writing a lyric. A, a great example is, is um, No Fun Anymore. Mark was showing me songs. Mark would always, we'd get together and sometimes he was living in Long Beach and I'm living down here. So we'd meet in the middle and we'd be sitting in a car, right? And I'd be in the front seat and Mark would be in the back with his guitar showing me songs, right? And he showed me one and that was No Fun Anymore. And I heard it and I said, oh my God, dude, you have to let me have a go at these lyrics. You have to. You have to let me. And bless his heart, Mark, who wrote some of the best lyrics we ever had, right? And was certainly capable. I'm sure he probably already had an idea for the song, right? And I said, I got to have a go at that song. I just, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. And that was no fun anymore. And the reason I love no fun anymore is because to me it's a, it's a frolic. And I always was looking for songs that were just allowed a singer to just go anywhere and do uh-huh. anything. Uh-huh. Um, Second Avenue is probably my personal favorite album because number one, I, I think the songwriting came to an apex for all of us on that album. Um, we got Clark as a drummer. We finally get a full-time drummer. And I, lyrically, it's probably my strongest album, my feeling is. I, I, that was one album I didn't really feel there was much that I didn't want to do that I couldn't do. So let's hear No Fun Anymore. No Fun Anymore. Idle Cure. 
you hear on Frontline Rewind episodes is available on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and our own website, frontlinerecords.us. Second Avenue, how did you come up with that title? Um, you know, the, the first album was A street named. map or something. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> GPS? What's we, you know, what, what we would tend to do, Mark and I and Pete, um, would tend to get together and just sort of philosophize about, okay, What's this album saying? Where do we want it to go? Uh, Tough Love, philosophically, was maybe a little heavy-handed, you know, um, darker. And so this one was, we just said, we, we want this to be not generic, but, but not, not heavy-handed either, mm -hmm. right? And so we thought, well, what should we talk about, right? And what we talked about is, well, what we think we need to convey to the listener and to the people that like the music is, look, you have two ways to go. It really isn't all that complicated. Mm -hmm. If you don't accept the Lord as your savior, if you approach it with the attitude, he who dies with the most toys wins, if you think that, well, I get 80 years and then I go, so c'est la vie, right? Well, that's one way, but there's another way. 
right? There's the way of accepting the Lord. But you have to readjust your, your goals. Yeah, you have to reset your compass. You have to think about your motivations, right? Mm-hmm. You have to care. You have to act as if though everything you do, God is watching, right? And that's the second avenue. Mm. And so that's sort of the approach we took with it. Like I say, keeping it a little generic, but still hearkening to there. And then we wanted a, a, a tougher kind of look. So we filmed that on a street corner in Orange, California, um, an area I knew well. I went for two years to Chapman College in Orange, mm-hmm. so I, I knew it well. Orange is a really cool, because the old town is old. It was yeah. like built in the 20s and 30s. So you got a lot of these old brick side buildings. Mm-hmm. So we kind of went with the only time we kind of did leathers and that sort of thing. Is, but that, is that near Anaheim Stadium? Or uh, yeah. Kind of? Yeah, five, yeah. six miles from Anaheim Stadium. Yeah, okay. Just a little, Orange there again, it's just another little suburbia of Orange County. But once you get to the downtown, there's a little two-block radius that's really vibey and old. Yeah. And it's retained that. And it's pretty cool. The very center. Uh, other than filming something in Europe, you don't really yeah, get yeah, that right, here. Right. <laughs> Which is... All of Europe is old, right? Yeah, we would love to have shot that cover. This I, is I a new building. It's it. 600 years old. Right. Oh, wow, modern. That's right. I said to Mark once in Europe, I go, good grief, we walked into this little pub. And I mean, it was built from a ship that, that had a date 17-something. <laughs> yeah. I said, in the United States, this would have been enshrined. I mean, <laughs> it would have been the founding of our country. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mark and I would talk a lot about songwriting, song ideas, song direction, what bands we liked at the time that, you know, uh, what we thought the direction should be and or how it should change from album to album because we, we didn't want to be formulaic where, okay, Breakaway was a hit, so let's write 50 Breakaways, right? I mean, you, you wanted to try to avoid that. So we would have discussions about songs and, and Mark, who was very uh, sensitive, not only to say what vocal range I could sing in, but but what my comfort zone was and what my discomfort zone was. So I remember Mark saying one time, dude, one of these days, I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to write something just high enough that you'll be, you know, tapping out, you know, saying this is enough. This is enough. You're going to come out of the studio hating my guts, but I'm going to do it. I'm just going to push you. Right. And, and basically what he was saying was push me to the red line. So what does he do? He writes a song called Red Line. And that's exactly what it did. To this day, it was the one song I would always say, I never want to do that song live. <laughs> and I don't think we ever did. I don't think we ever did. <laughs> I don't so think he, we he ever kept did. his promise. He did exactly that, you know. I must have wanted a bet or something. Because that seems like a really mean thing to do. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, I think that's what's neat, though. Because in one sense, you, like Les and I were talking about how being out of your comfort zone can be a great growth period, right. right? And I was saying how even though I love Holy Mountain and it's one of my most endearing songs, that it really took me out of my comfort zone because it's sung, um, well, for example, when you wrote it on guitar, and remember I was singing it kind of in that poppy kind of style, but even when it took on the esoteric sort of sensibility and we were in the studio and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to have to change the vocal approach. And you said, no, man, sing it just like you were singing mm. it. Keep it that poppy upbeat. But for a ballad, I was a little bit high in the range. I would have been more comfortable belting it in that key. But singing it like we did, it took me way out of my comfort zone. But it also makes my voice sound really vulnerable and exposed, which I think given the context of the song is probably a really good thing. Mm. I mean, it, it, it worked when it was all put together. Push it to the red
Be sure to check out Frontline Records' YouTube channel for exclusive live performances recorded right here on our Frontline Rewind shows. So Steve, and that would be Steve Shannon and Mark, Mark Ambrose, um, it's great to talk to you guys today. This is part two of a great show. Last week was awesome. And uh, I'm sure everybody's excited to hear more of those wonderful stories. So let's roll, guys. Yes. You know, Talk It Out was really <laughs> uh, overhearing my neighbors in Long Beach um, argue nonstop. And it was, it was kind of this hard thing because our kids, I had a young child at the time and our, our kids played together, but I heard this couple just go at it and in accusing and name calling and in, I'm sitting there and thinking, why don't you guys just talk it out? Just slow down and express your heart. Let the other one talk, you know, before the other one gets done, you're reloading and, and shooting back. And so it was really just a, a, a kind of a defining counsel, really, uh, to maybe people that are in conflict and relationships um, that if we would just slow down a little bit and talk things out, we, we could gain a lot of headway uh, versus defending and, you know, re-injuring and all those kinds of things. So speaking of talk it out, here it is off our Second Avenue record.
I had always wanted to sing a Dio type song, mm-hmm. right? I love Dio. And Mark and I would talk because we'd philosophize. Okay, where are we going? What do we want a song to do? What do we want a song to sound like? What, what sort of direction change should we do? And I would tell Mark, I go, dude, I want to do a Dio type song. M- my kind of Dio, right? I don't necessarily want it in Ronnie's range, but I want to be able to display that kind of texture like I can probably do, right? And uh, Mark was working on a song, and there again, it didn't have any real punch and edge to it. It's If You Mean It is the song. And I said, dude, I think if we rewrite that, I'll have my Dio song. And together we did. We kind of rent and remodified it. So, so much so that Mark gave me songwriting credit on it, where really he did the lion's share of the writing. But because I had given him the idea to change, and now it became just this drivey, just ragey, right? Mm-hmm. And you know the Dio song, right? He had to have his element. You had to give him a lot of room in the verse to let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. It had to be dry and open and just, okay, go. And that, mm-hmm. that's what we were looking for. Because what with, with keyboards and everything and all the little doodads we like to do and, and we like to concentrate on background vocals, some, there wasn't always a lot of room to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you mean it was that song, by the time that got in the studio, Mark literally rewrote the guitars in the studio. We, I think there's a, a, there was one song where we put the, the marshal in the bathroom and put the mic inside the toilet, right? I mean, just to get the right, so you know, in the studio, you do whatever you can. Just sticking a mic in front of a marshal doesn't always come up with yeah, that I full know. sound, yeah, right? Awesome. <laughs> so you do whatever you need to do. And to me, the guitar sounds, and if you mean it, are just marvelous. Uh, if you mean it's on... Second Avenue. But um, it, it just, to me, it, it became one of my favorite songs. And there again, that's another rewrite where went, Mark went back to the drawing board and came out with something that was far and above what it had started off. And there's just some great examples like that. There again, I, I, the evolution of a song to me is just a fascinating animal. I I'm, love it. I'm try- I'm, I, I haven't heard that song, and I'm trying to imagine the 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 sound of the mic with inside the toilet because that's going to create that little dome mm-hmm. and you got the marshal cranking in a small bathroom. What's so nice about I gotta it? Hear goes, it goes, I got to hear this. It goes. I got it queued up in the garage. I got played for you out there, but it, it it's the in the verse. <laughs> and then he hits almost Peter Townsend type harmonics uh-huh. in the in the rhythm, right? Yeah. Where he's playing like the one and the five together type thing, right? So it's yeah. just got that overtone to it and everything and then just i mean dead on in my range to sing that kind of stuff where i could just like what i call bite down really hard on mm-hmm. it right almost go over the top mm-hmm. of it but so you weren't thinning out the chords so much that you just got to be straining to hit the note but you can really just uh. some of that rock stuff is like controlled yelling oh yeah and it's just you know oh yeah i love it because that type of singing to me is, is controlled rage mm-hmm. and i mean in a lot of way i it, Hard rock, certainly white metal, is what that ought to be about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be subdued. It's not supposed to be subdued. It's not going to incite the sort of, you know, <laughs> feelings that you want if it is, right? Yeah, you can't exactly go crucify. <laughs> crucify. <laughs> if you mean it really is addressing someone, or in my case, you know, I've, I've had those seasons where you're backsliding. Um, you claim the faith, but you're really not living it out. 
And uh, the best you have is maybe looking back at uh, a, a first decision for Christ because there's been no growth. Um, yeah, it's kind of a Second Peter 1 thing, you know, that if you're growing in your faith and adding to your faith, uh, it's very different than if you're not. And if you're not, then you forget you're even saved kind of thing is the truth of that passage. So uh, the idea of, you know, if you mean it, then step up and do it and quit living in the past. And so that's kind of hopefully to shake people out of maybe a, a claim of faith that, that they're not living out and to maybe spur them on to take some steps of growth.
Oh, we've lost ground is kind of an American, um, a little bit of a political statement, actually, um, where we are as a country, where we've been as a country. Um, it's kind of interesting to, to think about that lyric being, I don't know how many years old it is when it was recorded 20 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. And even to where we are today, we could probably insert the word more. <laughs> we've, insert, we've lost yeah. more ground. Uh, so that was really that it kind of, you know, America, Judeo-Christian ethic, you know, it's, it's been part of the fabric of our country and it's slowly deteriorating. And, um, and we feel the ramifications of that and the results of that. And, and so will our kids and our grandkids. So check it out. This is We've Lost Ground off our Inside Out record.
Mark gave We've Lost Ground to me. But that was during my, I just, it wasn't happening for me. And I wasn't going to put anything out on an Idol Cure album that I didn't think was fit. So I, so I said, Mark, I'm sorry. Sorry. So Mark takes that and comes up with an astonishing lyric. I mean, the, We've Lost Ground is an astonishing lyric. And, I mean, it was just the pressure was on. He had to do this. Mark was working just as hard as a, at a job as I was, and yet he just put his mind to it and did it, and I think it's just a great example. Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain comes in. We would have, we used to like to write 20 songs to get 10, you know, the mm, process, yeah, right? Yeah. And if, if you're going to get 10 good songs, you need 20 to, because you're going to, you know you're going to have five throwouts, right? And then we'd do a little voting scale and everything. Holy Mountain, Mark had written on guitar. And because he didn't have a keyboard anymore, right? And so he showed it to me. It's kind of a lank, 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 almost kind of a lanky reggae sort of tone, right? And I loved it because I thought, well, dude, we don't have to do it on guitar. Good heavens, we, we can do a lot with this. And it wasn't going to make it. Not even Mark felt very strong about it. And when we had the big setup and everything, I said to Bill, I go, man, we had what we called the ace. And you could pick any one song and you said, Above all, I want this song on it. And for me, that was Holy Mountain. And I said, and Bill said, gee, Steve, why do you feel so strongly about this song? I said, well, because it ain't much now, but I think it could be brilliant in the studio. Mm -hmm. And Bill Baumgart says, I happen to agree. And so we kept Holy Mountain. It is one of the, as ballads go, it's the one song that was the scariest for me to sing because it is so naked and exposed because I'm singing it at a high range where I ought to be singing a rock song. It's even higher than Take It. Um, but, but I've got to lay back. And yet it needs some urgency and some guts and feel. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it completely exposed me vocally. And as a result, like we were talking about Comfort Zone, I maybe love it almost among the most. Yeah. And then we had Tim Hines, who put in brilliant little, he does the little snow falling kind of effects mm -hmm. and, and everything. So, I mean, by the time that thing came polished out of the studio, it was a gem. Yeah. It was a gem. But that's a song that almost didn't even make it onto a record. And uh, Mark wrote the lyrics? Mark wrote everything. Uh, he wrote the and whole song? Some of Mark's very best songs are rewrites. The examples are Come Back to Me that he wrote originally on keyboard and had to transpose to guitar, right? And... Holy Mountain that he had originally on guitar and had to transpose back to keyboard, right? When you got Mark in rewrite mode, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so Mark, you wrote Holy Mountain originally on guitar and then you transposed it to keyboards and that became one of your, one of your most beloved tunes on Inside Out. Can you kind of give a story on that? Uh, Holy Mountain is is written um, to describe worship, um, but more pointedly to the Old Testament. And this, the the idea of Moses <laughs> going to the mount and meeting God, and what that possibly could feel like, what it could look like. Um, to imagine that experience, to be, you know, face-to-face -face with God, you know, on this holy mountain, um, Mount Sinai. And so what does that look like? And so, you know, Steve, as you know, we, we, we approached it one way, and, and when you really start looking at the lyric and what you're trying to express, you go, you know, this style isn't working. It, it, it's almost too small for what we're trying to say. So how can we open it up? How can we 
make it a little more mystical and, and, and heavenly or whatever. And uh, so that, that took a lot of massaging in the studio to, to get that to where it was and, and with the vocals and that kind of things. But the goal was to try to somewhat describe um, that worship experience when you enter in. So this is Holy Mountain off our Inside Out release.
uh, we are really excited um, that uh, six months ago we get contacted um, that I guess a Benson rep uh, who had passed away. And our first record um, was distributed, uh, recorded Frontline, distributed by Benson. And uh, it was actually a vinyl back in the day. CD was, was just hitting, but before that uh, it was, you know, the old, the old uh, 33. And so we got contacted. This Benson rep had passed away, and they found in his estate he had a box of unopened debut Idol Cure albums, uh, all still sealed, original. And uh, this is going back 30 years. Um, and so we were really excited, and they asked us if, if we wanted them, and so we bought them. And so what we're doing is making them available to anybody that wants them out there, any of the fans, anybody that uh, is interested in more of a collector's item. Obviously, if you just want to hear the record, you can get on iTunes and download it. But if you're interested in actually having a, a record, um, the first record of Vital Cure, as well as it's in perfect condition, still sealed, and probably even recommend you keep it that way, um, we would love to provide that for you. And so we're offering that along with a bio and a photo. And you can get all the details on our Facebook page, Vital Cure Music on Facebook. And there's a bunch of different ways we can get it to you. You can pay, pay for it with PayPal, et cetera. But all the details are there on our Facebook page. So hopefully you'll check it out. But yeah, we're really excited. There are a few left, uh, not a ton, limited edition, obviously. Uh, we don't even have these. So we're really grateful that we get our hands on some. I know that, uh, did you ever do any of the, um, uh, those live albums with, with uh, Idol Cure? You know, Tourniquet did one and they had me come in and sing Messiah, and I sang a tourniquet song. Did you do any of that kind the of stuff? The only thing I did outside of the Idol Cure projects was, um, remember the weightlifter guys? Um, yeah. Yeah. Power. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, John Jacobs. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My nephew, and Mike remember? Hagen, was in that group. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, Frontline did their album. Yeah, okay. right. And, and I think it was Tim Miner who produced it, and... We had done, there, there's a, a, a song by Tim Minor we had actually done on one of the records. Okay. And so Tim invited me in, along with a lot of the frontline guys, to sing a song and everything. And, and he had picked me for one. And then there was another one that I think Steve Krumbacher was going to sing that he just didn't feel comfortable with. It was a little out of his range. Uh -huh. So I wound up singing two songs oh, on wow. that. And uh, that was interesting because, like I say, wholly different format. I had only worked with Bill as a producer, and Tim's style was completely different, of course. And, and Tim was kind of like, bam, 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 because he had a lot to do in a little bit of time. So he was coming in and saying, oh, and I just sing the whole thing through. And I wasn't used to singing songs all the way through. And mm -hmm. I'd like to do a verse and then catch yeah. a breath, analyze, and then that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it was an interesting experience. A lot of fun, really. Yeah, my nephew uh, worked with John Jacobs for several years. And then uh, he started his own thing, Michael, or Michael Hagen okay. and the Strength Team. Oh, wow. And, uh, and yeah. it was our understanding that they had used Breakaway as one of their songs in their routine. When they I think broke they the did, chains, yeah, Breakaway. Right? So, in fact, they had specified they wanted a song called Break the Chains, right? Because uh -huh. they, they wanted a song written to show the same sort of symbolism. But, you know, didn't necessarily want to use somebody else's. Powerful voice. ministry there, too. Powerful ministry. Yeah. Mind Games. Is that a John Lennon tune? No, that's... <laughs> Get playing those mind games. No, it's a different album, isn't it? Well, the theme of Inside Out is transparency. 
and not layered up, not faking things, but being honest, because um, that's who Jesus is. You know, he dealt with people in real honest and authentic ways. He came along the tax collector and the prostitute and really opposed hypocrisy in people that were layered up, which were called Pharisees at the time. So really, every, most of the songs that I was involved in have a revelatory aspect to it. So Mind Games is dealing with pornography, and it's dealing with this um, deep, dark place of porn and the addictive piece, and it's a private secret, and it's something that um, is hidden from people and attempted to by God, but ultimately it's, it's you know, it's, it's not going to deliver. And so, um, you know, the word porn isn't used anywhere in the lyric, but... Um, anybody that's struggling with it would understand or probably make that connection. That was the hope. So this is Mind Games off our Inside Out album.
FrontlineRecords.us, we have all kinds of goodies. Artist bios, links to all the music, and a free music offering when you sign up for the newsletter. Check it out, FrontlineRecords.us. All right, once again, this is Les Carlson uh, from Frontline Records Rewind. Thank you for listening to part two of the Idle Cure show. It was amazing. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mark. God bless everybody out there. See you next time. Rock on. Thank you.